And we're walking this summer through Romans. Today we're going to be in Romans 8. Just so you know, um, we really should appreciate how much talent God has given us musically. Um, for a church our size to have this level of um, musicianship is honestly quite amazing. And um, I want to thank everybody that serves in that ministry. Yeah. I sit here uh, week after week, or I stand in the back and listen, and it's just, I mean, wow, it was really good today. Um, Romans 8 is where we're going to be. Let me start telling you about, um, there's this, um, this place in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It, it is a, a firm that uh, markets products, and uh, they have this huge warehouse, and one wing of this warehouse has come to be known as the Museum of Failed Products. Now, it looks like any other sort of grocery store. You walk in, but there's only one of every item, and these are items that either lasted only weeks or months because nobody wanted them. They, are, they were failed. I'll give you some examples because these are kind of good. Uh, there was a touch of yogurt shampoo. That didn't make very well. And then uh, for oily hair only. I don't know why that didn't go very well, but for some reason, that wasn't good. Now, some of them are uh, branding issues, like who made the product. Um, Pepsi AM morning breakfast cola. Uh, that was a dud. Um, Frito-Lay lemonade. Kind of funky, evidently. Um, Bengay aspirin. Anybody think that might uh, kind of burn all the way down? I, I don't know. Might not be that great. Um, this is a good one. Fortune snookies. These are... Cookies for dogs. Fortune cookies for dogs. Didn't, didn't last long. Um, now, Colgate um, kitchen entrees. These were TV dinners. After it, you didn't have to brush your teeth. Uh, so you got to like that. Colgate kitchen entrees. Oh, let's go to this one. The hot can. This is a can that was self-warming, but it was taken off the market when it exploded in people's faces. So uh, evidently... People didn't like the soup coming at them. I, I don't know. Bad deal. Now, I apologize for the picture, but this one, I tried to find something better. I just couldn't find anything better. But you have to understand, this was my favorite. This is like a push-up pop with macaroni and cheese and scrambled eggs and sausage. A push-up pop. All right, now, work with me here. Somebody was in a boardroom at one time. And they pitched this idea to executives at some place. And these executives said, that's brilliant. We're going to make a push-up pop with macaroni and cheese. And you can put it in a microwave. And then while you're driving, this, was the, this is how they sold it. While you're driving, you can push it up and eat your macaroni and cheese in the car. This was somebody someplace had that idea. Now, not only did somebody have the idea, which in and of itself is incredibly stupid, uh, somebody bought it, and then somebody produced it. Now, can you imagine the like post-launch um, of this when everybody is saying, this is stupid, and nobody buys it, and then somebody is going to be in trouble, right? Because if you had that idea, and you pitched that idea, and somebody bought that idea, there's a lot of condemnation that has to go around that room. It's like, well... I only came up with the idea. You decided to do it. I mean, it was sort of that feel. Now, in life, I'm going to segue now. In life, sometimes we make mistakes. 
Sometimes we simply, we fall into sin. We do things we know we shouldn't do. And there's this, there's this common thread in all humanity. It's called guilt. We kind of know when we do wrong and then we feel guilty. And today in Romans 8, we see this. I mean, it's one of those texts that just God gave it to us to help us understand his feeling toward us. So let's look at it. We're at the beginning of chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. By the way, Paul uses that expression, in Christ Jesus, a lot. We're going to talk about that. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now that, that's, that verse is fairly easy to understand. The, the next ones are a little complicated, but we'll, we'll break them down in a minute. Uh, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of human flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay, a little complicated. We'll we'll talk about it. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Romans 3.23. And the title of the message was, It's Way Worse Than You Think. Because sometimes we sort of belittle uh, the consequence of sin, and sin is really bad. And so that message title was, it's, it's Way Worse Than You Think. Well, the good news is, today there's kind of a different message. I'm not clicking. Am I doing? I'm, huh? What? Could you click it for me? Oh, Golly. Oh, close your eyes. Oh, there we are. Are you doing that or am I back? That's where I want to be. Am I in control now? I am? Wow, awesome. Um, I'm not going to condemn you, uh, but uh, thanks for fixing it back. Thank you. All right, the big idea today is, now remember, a couple weeks ago it was, it's way worse than you think. Sin's really bad. Well, this is good. Being in Christ is better than you ever dreamed because... He breaks down here, these are some really good benefits of being in Christ. Now, being in Christ certainly means that we have made a commitment to Jesus. We give him our hearts and our lives, and we walk with him, and that's what he's talking about here. So let's talk about four things, kind of four benefits of being in Christ. The first one is we're not condemned for our sins. We're not condemned. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um... The word condemned here, look at this, it is uh, no condemnation. It comes from the Greek word katakrino, which means, kata means down, krino means to judge, it means to not be judged down. You all remember the movie Gladiator? Who, who watched the movie Gladiator? Every true American. All right, great. Okay. Uh, Gladiator is awesome. Russell Crowe is the gladiator, what's his name? Something, uh, Gluteus Maximus or something like that. And, uh, um, He's a gladiator. And then you've got that, that Phoenix guy. What's his first name? Joaquin. Uh, he's the really bad emperor, right? He's uh, Emperor uh, Commodus, or as I call him, Commodus. And, uh, um, and you see these gladiatorial battles. And then the emperor is sitting in the, like, the skybox. And one gladiator will get another one down. And he has the power of life and death over him. And he looks to the emperor. Now, what did the emperor do? He would do his thumb like this, and then the crowd would cheer. And if it was thumbs up, the guy got to live. 
But if the thumb was down, you didn't make it. The, uh, the gladiator that won would, would, uh, would execute the one that lost. And this is the meaning behind the word. There is never a downturned thumb from God for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now this, I don't know about you, but the picture that paints for me is even when I'm down, Christ gives me the thumbs up. God gives me the thumbs up because I'm in Christ. I, I, I am, I'm kind of, I'm one of his boys. I, I am, I'm on the team. I'm, I'm in the family. He doesn't give me the thumbs down. Now, let's not misunderstand this. This isn't talking about judgment particularly. There, there's two judgments that are mentioned in Scripture. There's, there's one called the judgment seat of Christ. And that's every Christian, everybody that's ever put their life in Christ, at one point uh, is going to have a conversation with Jesus about their life. This is what I did. You know, this is, and this is where you get rewarded, and, and there's, there's, there's not a downturn. But in Revelation, I think it's 20, Revelation 20 talks about the white throne judgment. And that's for non-Christians, and, and they're condemned to eternity apart from God. So let's talk about what it means to be in Christ. This is amazing. This is really good news for us. To be in Christ means I'm declared righteous. It's called positional righteousness. Isn't that it's fancy? Positional righteousness. It means because I am in Christ, God looks at me. When God looks at me, he sees Christ. This is incredible good news. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Uh, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Paul talks about it other places. In Philippians, he says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. So when God sees me, because I'm in Christ, he sees Christ. And this is good. He sees me through um, the filter of Jesus. Um, let me explain. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's the uh, Noah and the ark. You've heard this story, I'm, I'm fairly certain. And, and God says to Noah, build an ark, and he builds this ark. And then animals come, and seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal come, and they're on the ark. And then it says that God invites, basically, God invites Noah and his family onto the ark. And they're in the ark, right? They're, they're not hanging onto pegs on the side of the ark. They're inside the ark. And the floods come, and they're the only ones saved. And it's this picture of being in Christ. This is where safety is. So, positionally, positionally, I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm... I'm righteous because of my faith in Christ. The second part of that, to be in Christ, also means I desire to do right. That's practical righteousness. In Ephesians, again, Paul writes this. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Um, it's like God is this um, handyman who's continuing to work on us so that we might do good things. So there's no condemnation because... He's developing us to become his followers. The followers just, we're trying to be as much like Christ as possible. No condemnation. So the first thing, no condemnation. The second benefit is we're not constrained to sin. We're not bound by sin anymore. And he said that in verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law 
of sin and death. There's this old law that works in us. It's the law of sin and death. We see these verses throughout Scripture. The soul that sins, it shall die. And in Romans 6, it said the wages of sin is death. And sin is a really, really bad thing, and we are all infected with it. And it's bad on all of us. And that's the old law. The old law is sin which leads to death. The beauty of Romans 8.2 is that he says, hey, there's another law at play. It's the law of the spirits. And it sets me free. The old law bounds me up. The new law sets me free. Now let's talk about the word spirit for just a second. The word spirit. Law of the spirit. Um, Paul talks more about the Holy Spirit in chapter 8 of Romans. It's like, I had the numbers here um, many, many times. Oh, 21 times in chapter 8 and only 13 times in the rest of the book. So he's, this is kind of his Holy Spirit chapter. He sort of talks about the Holy Spirit a bunch. And the word spirit, um, the English word spirit is translated from the Greek word pneuma, which means air. Like if you have pneumatic tires, they have air in them, or a pneumatic um, pump, it, it either run, it, it, it uh, pressurizes air so stuff can go through. It's about air. And remember when, when in the Old Testament it says that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and gave him life, it was more than just he just started his heart going, it was... He breathed a soul, his spirit, into him. So, using this metaphor of air, think about something. Think about this. You and I live in air. Air is all around us. But air better live in us, too. I mean, if we, if we lose our air, we lose our life. We have to have air to keep going. Air is all around us. It's great. But it also has to be in us. And, and that's what he's talking about here. That this spirit... In, empowers us to live life. I'll give another illustration. We went to Lake Jocasey. Is that right? Uh, whatever. Uh, okay, whatever. We went to Lake Lyman yesterday, and uh, we saw some people out there paddling, you know, and stuff like that. I didn't see any sailboats. Did you sail on Lake whatever that is you all called it? Jocasey? Do you sail there? You could, I guess. Sailboats only work. I mean, if a sailboat is on a lake or something, um, it only works if the sail is put up, right? The wind can only empower it if you catch the wind. So people that don't want to move, like at night, they'll take the sail down. They'll drop anchor, and then they won't move far because they're not trying to move far. But if you want your sailboat to go, you want to capture the power of the wind of the Spirit, you raise your sail. Because when your sails are filled, then you can move. This is the kind of the idea behind this whole idea, uh, behind this verse, is that when our sails are filled, then we can really move. And we only move when we allow the Spirit to control our lives. That's really where we, we make great progress. Um, now, let, let's look, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans 7 just for a second. Let's go back just for a second. Romans 7. Okay. Remember these verses, he says, um, I do not understand what I do for what I do. I, for what I do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And it is, 
It is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. And he, he goes on and on and says, I know good stuff I'm supposed to do and I don't do it. And I know bad stuff I'm not supposed to do and I do it anyway. And then he says, oh, what a wretched man I am. And I'm really thankful that he doesn't end his writing in chapter 7. Because what he's saying is there's this sin nature that lives within us. And it battles this, the, the wind of the spirit. We've got kind of one foot in chapter 7 and one foot in chapter 8. In chapter 7, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. In chapter 8 is, I can be free from that. And the good news today is you can be free from that. It's, I don't have to live that way. And it's a process. All right, every parent and every grandparent who has ever had a, a, a little child knows what it's like to watch their kid take their first step. Y'all know that? I mean, for a long time, they, they are... They are bound by the law of crawling. Or, you know, the first thing you get excited about is when they roll over. Every first parent, when they roll over, you'd think the kid won a Pulitzer. I, I mean, it's like they're calling all their friends. He just rolled over. And he did it with such, it was graceful. Never seen a child roll over so gracefully. I mean, it's kind of that, you know. It's like, get over it, every child rolls over. But it's okay. All right, so they roll over, and then they start pulling up, right? They crawl, and they're pulling up. And then, then, then you know that they're doing this. They're standing up, but they're, they're thinking about walking, right? They kind of wobble, kind of get swivel hips. And so what do you do as parents? One of you, one of you stands here and you hold the kid and the other one gets on their knees. I would, but I'm old. And uh, uh, they, you say, come to daddy. Oh, yeah, it's a big moment, right? And the kid, the kid takes that first Frankenstein step, you know, this deal. And what do you do? Yeah, yeah, oh, it's great, right? It's great. And then they fall. Because they can't, I mean, no kid just takes off, right? They fall a, a bit. They fall some. Now, parents don't say, what a loser. You only made one step, loser. Your brother did three steps. You know, that some, of, some parents may do that. But that, no, what do we do? We say, try again, come on, try again. And then they learn to walk. And eventually, they walk more than they fall, right? I mean, really, falling becomes less and less. And, and it's a process. And walking in the Spirit is much like that. We, we may not be really good at it at first. We may not lean into the Spirit as much as we need to at first, when we first become believers. But we, we develop this. We, we begin to... to to listen to his voice more, to, to read our scriptures and be obedient more. We learn it. And uh, it, it's just this, this process. The Christian life is a series of ever-increasing challenges, just, just like life. Okay, you learn to walk. What's the next thing you learn to do? Ride a bike, right? Every kid riding a bike. Very few kids get on a bike and can just ride. They need training wheels. And then there's a day you take the training wheels off. And what do you do? You sort of steady them and you run behind them. I did that with the first three with Elise. It's like, just go on. Because uh, uh, I have that in me anymore. And they're, they fall some when they first learn to ride their bikes. They're not great, but they get better. And then driving a car. That's the next thing, right? There's a progression. It's ever increasing, more complicated. And you teach your kids to drive a car, and Amaris is here today, one of my kids, and Janelle's here today, one, another one of my kids, and I taught them all to drive. 
when you're teaching your kids to drive, you pray a lot, because fear and prayer go together, and we saw parts of the road I have never seen. I'll never, ever forget one time we were driving, and when you learn to drive in Michigan, you have the disadvantage of having to learn to drive on uh, ice or snow, and Ann was just learning to drive, and we, we pulled out on a road, and it was icy. She had, I mean, really, there was nothing she could do about this, but we, we pulled out from our from our cul-de-sac, or from where we lived, and she pulled into the road and did a 360, or did a 180, and, and so we were wanting to go this way, and we ended up this way. And I remember, I was super calm that time, I said, well, turn back in here, I think it's icy, <laughs> and let me drive, okay? But, at first, they, they, were, they were, you know, they weren't great, but within the last couple of months, I've had a chance to ride with Am, and with, with Mallory, and with Janelle, and and I, I'm, quite, I'm quite proud of the job that we've done teaching them, well, Miriam didn't have anything to do with it, uh, that I've done. They're pretty good drivers. I mean, they're good. And I, I would, I would I kind of just sit there and I, I didn't pray much because I didn't have to because it seemed like they knew what they were doing. Christianity is this ever-increasing complexity of learning to walk in the Spirit. And you may not be great at it yet, but you can be. That's the point. You can be good at it. Christian life. Too many people live in Romans 7. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Oh, I don't do the stuff I know to do. Oh, there's stuff I know to do and I don't do it. I mean, Romans 7 is, hey, let's beat the snot out of myself. Romans 8 is, I don't have to do that anymore. My job as a pastor is to help you get from here to here, frankly. You can do this. This is possible. In Christ... You have this ability to do things you never thought you could do. So first, I'm not condemned for my sin. Second, I'm not constrained. I'm not bound up by my sin. Third, in Christ, I'm not charged with my sin. Look at what it says here. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Um, In our other translation, it was called flesh. Flesh simply means our sinful nature. Um, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. We no longer are held accountable or are guilty of our sins. Um, basically, We've been facing a capital charge, or we were facing a capital charge, and that was perfection. The law said you have to be perfect. And so if we were to stand before uh, Judge God, uh, and he were to say, have you kept the law perfectly, none of us could say yes. We'd all have to say no, no sir, no your honor. We haven't lived this life perfectly. And the law requires perfection. And so God sent Jesus to do perfectly what we could not do, and we get credit for it. I like to fix stuff around my house. I, I like it. I'm not really good at it sometimes, but I, I like to try, and I like it when I fix something. I, I really enjoy that. But what I've learned about fixing stuff, ladies, this is going to make sense to you in just a second. Um, sometimes the project requires the right tool. So if your husband's out buying tools, he needs it. Just let him have them, okay? Guys? Uh He needs that tool. Uh, He either needs it now or he knows he's going to need it in the future. 
That's right. That's right. I'm never going to overhaul an engine, but I have a block puller. So, you know, you got to have stuff. And if this project requires a Phillips screwdriver and all you have is a standard screwdriver, you're toast. Because you have to have the right tool. They're both screwdrivers, but only one will work. Only one will make uh, the change that's needed to be changed. I can't in and of myself live up to perfection. But this is why God sent Christ. So that he could do what we couldn't do. And I love it where it says uh, he sent him uh, his son like the bodies that we have. Uh, Jesus was tempted, it says in scripture, every way that we've ever been tempted. And so you're never walking alone through any situation because Jesus has been in those situations. And he understands what we're going through. And we really can't say God doesn't understand because God does understand and Jesus understands and Jesus went through those things. And he no longer charges us with our sin. And there's one more great benefit and it's called, um, it's the fact that we're not controlled by sin. The righteous requirements of the law might be full, fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's an old nature at work. And what happens with the Holy Spirit? This is where we are hoping to get to. As a Christian controlled by the Holy Spirit, we choose to say no to the bad stuff, right? No to um, fits of anger. Uh, no to gossip. No to lying. I mean, whatever it might be. No to sexual sin. Whatever sin it might be. We, we, now the Spirit in us gives us the ability to say no to the bad stuff. How, I mean, how often is how often you need it? I mean, it could be every day. It could be every hour. It could be every minute. It just depends on you. And, and once you learn to say no, it gets easier to say no. But you have to learn to say no. So you say no to the bad stuff. And then you say yes to the impulses of the Spirit. Yes to feeling freedom in Christ. Yes to peace. Yes to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes to those things. Yes to being encouraging. Yes to speaking truth in love. We get to say yes to those things. Because a Christian who is filled with the Spirit is able to do this. Now I'm going to give you, this is... This really super helped me. There's a guy named David Dykes who wrote this, and, and so I'm going to share it with you. He talks about uh, laws. Laws. Here's my keys. I'm looking for my keys. There's a law we all live with. If I drop my keys, what happens? It's not a trick question. All right, yeah, they fall. Um, what's that called? Gravity. Okay, there's a law called gravity. We all live with gravity. And since the beginning of man, mankind, we've tried to figure out how can we... How can we... Get past this. I mean, even in Greek mythology, there's a guy named Icarus whose dad created wings made of feathers and wax. And and Icarus flew too close to the sun and the the wax melted and he fell to earth and died. But, I mean, for millennia, men have looked and they've, they've known there's this law called gravity. They didn't always know it was gravity, but they knew you fall down. If you fall down, you go down. Um... And we tried to get past that. How, how do we beat gravity? And then there were some guys who, uh, 20th century, uh, guys named Orville and Wilbur, they came up with this thing called an airplane. And they created this airplane in November, uh, December 17, 1903. They created this little airplane, 750 pounds. 
750 pounds with the motor, with the guy, with the frame. Pretty rickety thing. And, and they, they flew. First, the first flight was 12 seconds. Orville, 12 seconds. Then Wilbur flew for 59 seconds because he had to outdo his brother. But he wasn't first. Now, there's a law that usurps the law of gravity. Stay with me. This is really cool. It's called the law of aerodynamics. You know what that law is? Air passing over a surface faster on the top than bottom causes something called lift. I'll show you. Okay. See this? Paper bending down. What's causing it to bend down? Gravity. Right. So if you blow on it, uh, I would like to further be called the science guy. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So you blow on this. If air passes faster on the top than the bottom, you create lift, right? There's a, there's a law that usurps the other law. Gravity is, is important, and it's real. There's a law of sin and death. It's the gravity of depravity. Yes, there, there is something that pulls us down. It's called the law of sin and death. But there's a law greater than the law of sin and death. It, it's life in the spirit. It, it's, it's air. It's like the aerodynamics of pulling us up in Christ. Now, you might say so. I mean, big deal. The law of aerodynamics is really only beneficial to you if you get in a plane. I mean, you have to get in a plane. Because if you don't get in the plane, it really doesn't help you very much. But if you get in a plane, I, have you ever been on like a, a huge jet? I think the biggest thing I've ever flown in was a 747. I get in that, it's like 300 tons. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this is going to get off the ground. But it does. It, it, it motors down the runway and air over the top is, is faster than the air on the bottom. And all of a sudden we lift and we're in the air for a long time. Because we're living in the law of aerodynamics. But it only benefits me if I'm in the plane. The law of the Spirit that sets us free in Christ Jesus only benefits you if you're in Christ Jesus. It's only to your benefit if you're in Christ. Because the law of sin and death is everywhere. Just like gravity. The law of the Spirit. Think about this. The law of aerodynamics has been around from the beginning of time. I mean, it was always available. Moses could have flown if he wanted to. He just would have had to invent a plane, right? Jesus could have flown. He had a plane. It, it was always there. They just had to tap into it, right? So Orville and Wilbur were the guys that figured it out. They tapped into it or somebody figured it out. They, they uh, utilized this knowledge. Okay. It only helps us if we tap into it, which leads me to my last point. A life of holiness is impossible unless we choose to yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to do it perfectly. Remember, we talked about it's a process. We're going to get better over time. We're going to learn things. We don't do it perfectly right off, but the more you live in the Spirit, the more you walk in the Spirit, the more comfortable you get walking in the Spirit the nearer you become to Christ, to be being Christ-like. We can live 
with the law of gravity, the law of sin and death. We can live in that if we, if we choose. We get to choose. That's the key word here. We choose. You choose. If you've never chosen to walk in the Spirit, you can. Um, it, you just admit to God, hey, I, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm living with this weight of sin on my life. I ask you to forgive me and take it away and guide my life. I mean, now you can live in the spirit of life that sets you free from the law of sin and death. This is, this is the good news. It's the best news. You can do it.